Hi, beauty. I'm so grateful you were led to this podcast. I'm your host, Miranda. Hi. I'm a wife, coach, and mom to four world changers. And this is the Recalibrating Hearts podcast. It's my heart that in this space, you would encounter the love of the Father and receive downloads, revelations, and solutions for partnering with God in your breakthrough. You'll also hear how we're building our family, powerful prayers and declarations for you, and ways to incorporate natural solutions for whole health. I think it's time to normalize spiritual breakthrough and walk in freedom with whole hearts. Holy Spirit, you get full permission to recalibrate our hearts. Let's go. Okay, I am here with Dr. Eve, and I am so excited for this interview. You know I'm always transparent on this podcast, so people, I am coming back into my seat and back onto my mic after a couple months hiatus and pause. I have to lose my father, and I just want her voice to be heard to as many people as can hear it and can be set free from it because after listening to her for like a half hour you guys I learned more I learned more about how about how my mindset works but I also got so much freedom in that the work I already did for 10 years or so narrowed down to like she narrowed that stuff down to like I don't even know. I have no words actually. So I'm going to, I've already prayed to ask the Lord to help me because when something is so super exciting, like inner healing and freedom and mindset and all that, um, there just comes a time where you meet somebody and you're like, okay, she has it figured out the Lord's working through her. Let's let her speak to my audience and her speak on this platform so that it takes inner healing to a whole nother level. I feel like inner healing is amazing, but there's also this mindset. Dr. Eve, I just so appreciate you being on this podcast and being willing to come on when we don't know each other, but at the same time, we're like in the same realms when it comes to helping people and coaching. Please just like start with introducing yourself and then we'll go from there because you know how we flow. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. And I too just have thoroughly enjoyed getting to be in the same space with you for a brief time. And we met briefly in this challenge and we didn't know each other before, but we're doing, we're both doing amazing work to help people move forward and heal. And it's so cool to see how two people coming from a different, a different approach have so much in common, but have so much unique to bring to the, the healing and personal development, human formation process that, that we both are in. So um, a little bit of my story. So I am married And we have four kids. They are eight, almost 10, 12, and 14. And we live in the middle of Nebraska in a little town, about 25,000 people. And I grew up in Nebraska in a very small town, like 500 people. And then I went to college, went went on to get my PhD in psychology. And so I worked for several years as a clinical psychologist. And then, you know, about five years ago, I just decided, you know, I want to go a different direction. I'm not sure this is the best way for me to use my gifts or the best way to have the most impact on the most people in a most efficient manner, I guess. And so, and there were some things about the field of psychology that I just got kind of wearisome with. And I just started wondering, like, is this truly the best way forward for most people. Now, not to say that therapy is a bad thing, not to say there's not a place for psychology, not to say that all therapists and mental health professionals are missing the mark, because that's not the case at all. 
And I think it's more about a fit with me. And I do think there are some threads in the field overall that are obstacles to people. Um, so despite being able to get good help, um, I think there are some things that are obstacles. And, and one of the main things that jumped out at me, well, uh, there's a few. The insurance world is just, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of red tape. And one of the things that I grew to dislike a lot is that for insurance to pay for someone in therapy, there has to be a diagnosis. And the whole idea of diagnosis, I got to feel a little bit uneasy with. I think there's value in being able to group a set of symptoms together to be able to communicate with people about your symptoms without having to go into everything. So there's value in that. But I also see there's often a really big disservice in someone taking on a label about their problems that often like prevents people almost from feeling empowered to heal. There's a lot of like, well, I have ADHD, so I guess this is this. Well, you know, like I'm depressed, you know, and I don't mean to make light in any way about any of those symptoms that come along with that. But sometimes I found that it wasn't really an empowering way to help people know that they can overcome where they are, what their struggles are, or even that they can learn to compensate in a way that the label doesn't define them. That's the stuff. And, and you know, the paperwork and all of that stuff, I just thought, you know, this is really getting in the way of what I really wanted to do in order to help people. And then also through my time as a psychologist, I learned a lot. And the other thing that I learned is that psychologists don't have to own the market on helping people. And as I encounter coaching on my own, I saw, wow, like there is extremely powerful work that can be done in this realm. And it's way more accessible to people. A lot of people don't have, they just can't leave their life and go sit in an office an hour a week for months and years on end. They don't have the luxury. They don't have the financial means a lot of times, and they don't have just the time or their life circumstances don't lend to that. And so I really wanted to try to find a way to take what I had learned from psychology and be able to make it accessible to more people, but then also really make it more full, more complete. And I, that sounds arrogant in a way, like I have something to offer that psychology doesn't. But in a way, I think I do, but my background and my experience and my training and having a foot in the psychology world and a foot in the coaching world, I think there's a way to bring them all together and be much more efficient and effective for most people than either one of those alone, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. There are so many even nuggets to learn from that. You know, what stands out to me and we can flow whichever way we want is like, you were like, actually, this isn't serving me as well when other people, you know, I'm saying this respectfully would have hid behind the license and the safety of what the license could. And you still have that. Yay. But you could have done hit it behind it, but you are taking, you took a step outside the comfort zone. And a couple of years ago, you were saying, decided to be like, yeah, let's reevaluate where we're at. That's a huge thing. And I, I guess my thing that comes, stands out that I wanted to know is, okay, so you experienced coaching on your own and again, but something must have light bulbed it because you came, I mean, it's brilliant how you took your experiences and pivoted and did a pivot and was like, I'm going to create this. So do you have anything in that? Yeah. So, I mean, I heard some people doing coaching, both receiving coaching and also like watching people be coached. 
And I just I was like, that's psychology. That's psychology. And to be honest, the, the perception that was driven into me in my training was to get defensive and be like, who do they think they are doing this psychology work? They're not psychologists. Like they're not mental health professionals. And that was my first like reaction. And then I had to say, well, hold on a minute. Like these are general human principles. Why do we get so turfy about who's allowed to do this and who's not? Now, I will give a caveat. You know, there are some some psychological issues Mm -hmm. that you are. It is a little bit of a liability to wade into that water if you're not sure of what you're dealing with and where you're going. But by and large, the people that are coming for coaching, they are not the people that have deep clinical issues. And often the people coming to counseling aren't the people that have such severe, significant issues that there is extreme risk in their care. If there is, that's not a place for coaching. And so I make that distinction. But what I much prefer is backing up the timeline Mm. and trying to get to people before they get to that point. Like I used to have a mentor and she would say in the, in our offices, it's like, we are the ambulance crew that's at the bottom of a cliff after someone has fallen off. And there's an important role for that. There's always people that have fallen off the cliff that need that ambulance to help them. But what if we put more ish, more of our effort into building fences at the top of the cliff rather than treating the people after they've fallen off? And so that's kind of the distinction that I see sometimes between people that are a great fit for coaching and people that are a better fit for more of a clinical setting. Now, the same problems are there at the top of the cliff that if not addressed, someone will fall off of there. And I think building a fence up there, that's how we can serve more people and help more people go from, you know, just under par to really excelling, truly excelling and stepping into their gifts and their purpose. So that's why I think the world of coaching is so, so valuable. And I honestly don't know a human on earth that could not benefit no matter what level they're at. 100% agree. No matter how successful they are, no matter how happy they think they are, if they're still living and breathing here, I believe God has something more for them. Sometimes it's hard to figure that out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're like cheerleaders of coaching, so we could be like all day and be like back and forth on stuff yeah. off. So if I feel the flow to go that way, I will, because I'm like, tell me more, but I love that you, I appreciate that you, especially for this platform, um, shared the difference between when you need a clinical therapist and psychologist versus coaching, because there is some major like value in both, but I thank you for doing that because I don't have words for that because of my, um, expertise or realm. Um, I just appreciate, I feel like spending time with you, um, man, you weave in spirituality. If you weave it in so much, like it's in the fabric of everything you do. And even today's call we were on together, I was like, you, you saw me like cheerlead. I was like dropping mic drops here and there. How, how did you find your way with a psychologist coming back from a background of Um, I guess I'll just say worldly again. I'm not like Mm -hmm. a lot of, okay. Understanding that, but like, how'd you weave your faith, spirituality, um, the relationship with the father in to it? Because as you're speaking to people, I'm like, I feel like, um, a comfort, like I'm sitting on a couch, basically sitting on a couch comfortable with you having tea because I'm like, ah, this is safe. 
this is you're like a safe resort. Can you tell me more about that? If, if my question means yeah, that. so it's kind of ironic actually. Like I grew up with some faith, but it wasn't really personal. It was kind of rules more so. It wasn't really personal. Really, all the way through, almost halfway through graduate school, I, I lived a fairly worldly life, knowing there was God, believing in God, but it really was not something that I truly like got at my heart level. And so here I am in a graduate program of psychology and there was a a place on campus. I'm Catholic. And so there was a campus center for students on, uh, on campus there. And I really didn't have a lot of interest in it until a friend of mine asked me if I would help his girlfriend at the time go through this class. And I thought, well, I'm Catholic, Catholic. So I can do that, you know? Um, And I thought I was just going to like show up at the thing and like be her sponsor. And that was that. Well, then they were like, oh, actually, you need to go to these classes for the next nine months, once a week. And I was like, ah, I did not know that. And and one of the first things was a talk by a theologian who really uh, his body of work was all about men and women and how we are made and how we are designed to come together how we're made uniquely, how relationships should work and all of that. And it literally blew my mind this weekend long workshop because I was like, this is the problem to, this is the answer to so many problems in our world. And boy, is it even more relevant today than it was back in early 2000s. Um, But then, so from that point on, I was hungry. I was hungry. I wanted this relationship and I wanted to understand and I wanted to know that all these rules we're not just rules for the sake of rules. There's actually a lot behind it, but rules without relationship equals rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so I had pr- I tried the rebellion stuff and it wasn't working for me. So from that point on, everything I did and learned, I was doing through this lens of faith and God's design for the human person. And so I was able then, and, and I had some wonderful peers that were on the same journey around the same time. And so we had all kinds of dialogue about, wait a minute, this psychology is actually God's God's design for people. And look, here's evidence of that. And look, these people thousands of years ago were saying this, that now people in psychology thought they just made up, you know? Um, and so finding all of those common threads, and then it was, I love finding the language from our faith that explains psychology to people because it's hard to trust psychology today. It's really hard to trust psychology because a lot of people doing psychology are not in line with God's design for the human person. They're in line with the world's design for the human person, or they're in line with um, having what we want. They're in line with your truth and finding your truth. There is no capital T truth in a lot of psychology today. So that could be a whole nother discussion. But I love that if you take the time and dive into God and his design for the human person, then you see that there is a capital T and that the truths of psychology that are borne out by science and all of that, they never contradict with the truths of God. So you can trust that there's one truth. And so to the extent that you can reach people both, and that's the other So when I started, all of my years of being a psychologist was all in a faith-based institution. So I was free to talk this way. I was free to develop these 
um, ways of thinking about different techniques in psychology and to think about how they fit with the human person, the way God made us uniquely with a, with a free will, uh, with an intellect to be able to know the truth and to be able to freely choose the truth. And we're not robots. We're not slaves to uh, reinforcement and consequences. Like, um, sure, that motivates us, but we can choose to rise above that. And then also the way it bleeds into God also made us with subconscious senses and memory and passions and drives and that's all by design, but we forget sometimes about the level that's above the line. That's our conscious self. That's our will and our intellect. We can form those. We can develop those. And then we can make choices. And freedom, freedom, truly, the definition of freedom is the ability to choose the good. It's not to do whatever you want. Like you're a slave if you can't consistently choose the good. That is true freedom. It's not having the ability to choose anything your passions perk up in you that you, you want in this moment. And that is our eternal struggle, really, not eternal, but on, in this life, that's our struggle, is na navigating, forming our intellect so that we know the truth without a doubt, so that then it's easy for our will to direct us towards that good. Because what happens now, and then our then our emotions are formed in orderly ways, not in disordered ways. The way the world wants this to work is backwards. Your passions are king. What you feel is king. And that determines how you act. And then we take our intellect and we make it make sense. We make our actions make sense to try to make them right. When they're, and so it's it's like, it's like if you have a quadrant, you know, you have your will, and your intellect and your passions. And then over here is like your sense of your memory. So like your bank, your storage banks, like your subconscious. Originally with no sin in the world, it's perfect. It's perfect. Our thoughts are always ordered towards the true, the good, the beautiful. And that means our behaviors are always ordered that way. We want to do what's good. And then our passions are perfectly aligned to drive us. We need those urges to drive us to do the good. But sin creates the counterclockwise instead where the passions are in the driver's seat and that chooses how you behave. And then we, we, we determine our thoughts based on how we want to behave, wow. which is based on our, our emotions and not that emotions are always bad. Of course they're not, but without harnessing our passions, get us into all kinds of trouble. They don't lead us towards truth and goodness. So that's a big, <laughs> but to, but to me understanding that that is the model mm -hmm. of how how to help people Ooh. because we want to get that thing turned the other direction so that it's flowing from a good ordered place and that is all about our thoughts and our emotions that the models of coaching where we identify our thoughts our emotions our actions they're all right in there they're all right in there so that's where we can target we can enter Yes. to help people make shifts that are actually going to be fulfilling for them and enlightening and help them be in line with who God created them to be rather than living in this world, chasing some satisfaction from the world and never finding it. So you always have to up the ante and up the ante. And before you know it, we're in this world where like our, our, our passions are so disordered and what's, what's acceptable has become so far hmm. from ordered 
that we're kind of numb to it even. Like we don't even see how far we've gotten from the design of God. Mm. Oh man, there's so much here. <laughs> it's like, let me bite from like any of it. I'm nibbling so much, um, so far from the order of God and the design of God. And as you were talking right near the end, it's like, I saw a picture of a person, but myself before inner healing and before getting put back on the right path, I guess I saw myself like slipping away. The saddest thing, I guess, when you were talking, the saddest thing is, you know, we mask up and we put on these uh, things of the world, or we put on these ideas, we put on what people think we should be. And there's so much to that, but then we slip away and we never find out or fulfill a destiny B we don't understand our identity or more. And as right, as you were finishing, I was like, I was like, dude, like that slipping away of ourselves and losing ourselves and then becoming mm-hmm. numb. And it's like, just my heart got caught on that for a second. And I don't know what else to unpack in that other than that's mm-hmm. super sad. And one of the reasons- Yeah, I always get this visual. And, and the, well, the good thing is there's always hope. So yes. awareness is the very first step. Becoming aware of where you're at and where the world around you is at is huge. And once you do that, you're starting to reclaim- your power. So it's never a lost cause. You're never too far, but it reminds me. So I'm, I'm from Nebraska and outside of the Henry Dorley zoo in, in Omaha, Nebraska, they have this huge, and they have them everywhere, but this is where I'm familiar with. They have this huge like marble ball Mm. that is in some water Mm. and it's turning in that water. It just automatically has this, like, it's just always turning. Um, And I feel like that's when we're, unaware that's what's happening like it's just going we don't even do anything it's just going but with that big ball if you really press against it and resist it you can get it to stop and then you can push it and you can get it to start going the other way and so like that's that that's that tipping point of awareness where like once you realize that you can pause like you can pause this and then you have a decision to make. You have choices. Then you can get it going. And it's hard work. Mm-hmm. But once you put some effort in, it gets easier. And then it starts going the other way subconsciously on its own. Yeah. So that's the work that I really feel like coaching can help people with. Becoming aware, like which way is that ball rolling? Is it going where you want it to go? And if it's not, okay, so let's let's just learn about it. Let's be curious. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out what buckets you're trying to fill by chasing this. And then is that, is that leading to, is that leading where you want it to go? And if not, like, what's a better way to fill those buckets? Or like we talked on another call, like your buckets have holes in them to the extent that you don't understand yourself, your worth, your design from God. Your buckets have holes in them. So it doesn't matter how much worldly, feel good, whatever you pour in that bucket, you're never going to fill it. And so the extent to which we understand our identity and the love of God, um, the goodness that we're made in his image and likeness, like to the extent that we get that instead of what the world's telling us. That's the extent that we actually are capable of having a bucket that's full. And then the most beautiful part of this analogy is once your bucket's full, it overflows. And that is when we can give and serve and love in the most whole and complete way. 
without emptying ourselves, without depleting ourselves. Sometimes I think in our faith, we've, we've, we've got this mistaken notion that we have to totally empty ourselves in order to serve other people. And I don't believe that. I think God wants us to serve from the overflow. And one beautiful way from that very first um, weekend workshop I went to that he understood, he's like, we image God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, the father and the son are both full. They're complete. They need nothing from anyone, but they, it's like two full cups pouring back and forth. And the overflow is like the Holy spirit. And I think in our world, if we could think of ourselves, like, how can I be a full cup and how can I overflow that overflowing is truly how I can give the Holy spirit to those around me, not by emptying and constantly seeking to refill and empty and all of that. Yes. What a beautiful image. Thank you for sharing that. We don't know what we don't know. Why do you feel like some people have a hard time taking responsibility for their lives, A, other than learn behavior or something, learn behavior, but why is it hard, I guess, maybe that's my question, to take responsibility for our own lives when this is what we get, like we mm-hmm. get, we're responsible, like you said, to fill the holes. And I'm thinking, dude, some people don't even know, A, the holes are there, which I understand awareness, but B, like that they're responsible. Well, I mean, I think it's the enemy, ultimately. I mean, you go back to the very first temptation in the garden, you want Everyone wants an easy way out. So I think everyone's looking for the quick fix. They're looking for And when that doesn't work, they, they can fall into despair. Um, and the second part of that, I don't think humanity is very good at understanding mm-hmm. the value of suffering. Suffering does not have to be something that we avoid at all costs. Maybe it could be something, or I sh- maybe I shouldn't even call it suffering as much as challenge or hardship. So it's like the cross, you know, we want to avoid the cross, no matter what, we don't want to pick up that cross. Mm-hmm. No, I want to look for anything else to avoid picking up that cross. But what we don't see is that everything we want, the person we are here to become is on the other side of carrying that cross. You know, you can't, and it's, it's not even so much where we go, it's about the person we're meant to become. We get so focused on our, our goals, mm-hmm. what we want, that we forget, like, ideally, we should be detached from the outcome. But we need something out there. We need something to guide us because we have to go a direction. But then we have to detach from, like, I'm going in this direction because I, I, I think that that's where I'm meant to be. But I also have to know that I got to be aware on the journey that maybe there's something for me that I just can't know yet because I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And the only way I will know that so that I can fulfill my purpose is 10 steps down the road. And if you were to tell me what's 10 steps down the road, I wouldn't probably take the first one because I'm not ready for that. But if I have this ideal, this vision that I want to do, I can get started. And I think so people, people want, they want to know the whole story mm-hmm. and they want to know it's all full of only good things or else I don't want to pick up that book. Man, you're nailing something right now for people. I can even feel yeah. shaking happening. They're like, no, no, no. Even the word suffering, I'm glad you use that because I want to, I want to weed out what's going on in people, right? I want it to shake and I'm okay with that. And yeah, you're talking and you can keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. As you're talking, I'm like suffering, pain, trauma, shake, whatever that is, I want it to shake it because that's how we yeah. get free. 
is by understanding like what is really going on here. So as you were talking to, it's like I, when you, and when you just, before I interrupted, you were saying that like not knowing, cause you don't want to face it. You said something like that. I'm like, come on, that's hitting on stuff right now. So is that fear of this or fear or. Well, I think a lot of it is that it's really, really hard to trust that God's got you. So we, we see our own capacity as humans and we see this problem or whatever we think there's no way there's no way so i just got to avoid this which it's true there is no way on your own but when we understand the greatness of and i think even more than that when we understand a lot of us can say oh god's great god's amazing mm-hmm. but is he for you mm-hmm. is he actually for you as an individual not humanity as a whole not your neighbor who's so much more whatever than you are for you do you believe that he is here for you without that it's really hard to take those steps forward so i think for many people it's it's first like coming to terms with your identity and who god says you are to him not just who you are apart from him not just like oh yeah god made me i'm good yada yada well he's not done with you he didn't just spit you out of a conveyor belt and then you're done like good luck Maybe I'll see in heaven if you make it, you know, that wasn't really like how he works. Like he's still very much interested in you, everything about you, you know, every hair on your head, right? Man, this is so beautiful. I wrote down an element of mystery. You were saying how like, there's just, I wanted to share with the listeners too. There's like an element of mystery, but it's like part of who we are to seek that out to uncover hidden treasures. And it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of Kings to search it out. One of my favorite verses from back in the day. But when you were saying, um, we don't know what's ahead. I'm like, there's, I just need to, I'm learning, I should say, to appreciate the element of mystery because yes, I want it. I want to know, I want to be in control. And the trusting God thing is a huge factor because the Lord showed me uh, about two years ago or so, just building my course and even just working with clients when trauma occurs or we'll say challenges, pain, suffering, a lot of times trust is broken in three areas with the God, with yourself and with others. And I was like, yes, it is Lord. So he was teaching me. And when you said that, like trusting God, I'm like, wow, that just kind of nails something right there. How do we feel if we believed he was for us? What would we do? Not just the best parts of you. I think that's the other thing I, and this is my own struggle too. It's, it's an ongoing struggle. Like I want my house in order before I invite God to dinner. Like I'm not going to invite him to dinner to see the laundry on the floor and the stains on the wall and the whatever. No, but God wants to be there for all of it. And so I think there's a part of us that we struggle on our own for far too long because we think, well, hold on one minute. I'll, I want to, I don't want to show you my project till it's finished. Instead of saying, God, what should my project be? Come sit by me. What medium should I use? Should I use paint? Should I draw? Should I build with wood? Like what project do you have for me? But then we build something and we bring it. And then it's not, it's not what we're meant to do. And then we're crushed, you know? Yes. Uh, because yes. we can never be perfect and we want to be perfect first and then be friends with God because God can only be with perfect people. Well, we know that, I mean, Bible. throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. like as some of the most imperfect people in the history of humanity were some of God's best friends. 
I'm, I want, I feel like being led towards the mindset piece because you mentioned that a few minutes ago, but also because again, I haven't, and I've listened to many, okay, many peeps, but the Lord always brings us who we need at the right time. He brings us across, man, he brings help. He's our ever-present help. And when you share about mindset, I'm like, wow, do you take complicated things because our brain and how it works, I think is a little complicated and is uh, beautiful and whatever. And you make it into something like bite-sized, but like I can chew on that. And especially today with that um, coaching thing we're on together, you like baby steps. And I'm like, come on with a mindset. It's like that you help with baby steps. So what I guess what attracted you or drew you to the mindset piece of psychology? I know, but like you can go any way with psychology. You can go all sorts of ways. Well, I think, you know, mindset was not a word I ever heard in my psychology training. I mean, I heard about thoughts and those kind of things, but in terms of like a mindset, in terms of a a worldview, now there is some of that. Some psychology talks about like schemas and that kind of thing, but, and they'll talk about core beliefs. I think sometimes we get stuck in a like bodily understanding of we think about a brain. We don't think about our mind. When I think about our mind, apart from our brain, like we have a bunch of chemical interactions in our brain, but our mind is bigger than that. And and our mind is where our spirit comes in. Our soul comes in when we talk about our mind versus our brain. And so I think I just got really interested. And the more that I studied, especially as I started to get interested in or see more clients where they had significant trauma, Mm -hmm. like it really helped me like uncover more or not even uncover, but just learn about why we do what we do and how we do what we do. And that trauma, so many people think of trauma as this big T thing, like a significant abuse or a Mm -hmm. natural disaster or a horrific car wreck or things like that. But I think if you want to get to the real root of almost any behavior, there's some sort of trauma back there, at least any undesirable behavior. There's some sort of trauma in some kind. And all that I mean when I talk about trauma is an experience that left an imprint on you, on your soul, on your mind that changed your course off of the course that God has for you. And now let me say that too. There is not one course. God doesn't have one course for you. I use this analogy before. It's like a GPS. Like there is one perfect course from where you are to heaven with God at every second of your life, regardless of the choices you make. If you make the wrong turn, that's not what the GPS tells you to do. It doesn't say, sorry, good luck. Nice knowing you. It recalculates from right there. So. There is no one course, but at every second, there is a best course from where you are right now. And I think those little traumas, those little experiences that leave you doubting, questioning, learning something about yourself that is not who you are in God. So anything that is a diversion from the person God made you to be in all of your goodness, in all of your beauty, in all of your gifts, and that anything that takes you off that course is that's where we want to go. We want to go to those places. And so it could be, I mean, often it's something that objectively looks like nothing, but it's our perception. It's what sticks from those interactions. And you could have two people that have the exact same experiences and one thing sticks for one and a different thing sticks for the other. 
one has that experience and it propels them further on the right path or the the path of truth and goodness. Another person has that exact same thing and they are taken off course because their perception of that, the way they internalize that is of something that uh, was not in accord with the goodness and image and likeness of God that they were that they were created with. And so then what happens once you start to get off of that path is you seek and protection and you live a life of trying to affirm what you think you know about yourself now and trying to protect yourself from being hurt again. And so, you know, it's like the airplane that gets one degree off course. Well, one degree is not much, but one degree compounded halfway around the world, you're in a very different place than you're supposed to be. So for me, when I, when it comes to the mindset piece, like it's really what I found is that if you can go back and if you can help people recognize those thoughts, those patterns of beliefs about themselves, about the world, about other people, and see them from a different perspective, which is ideally God's perspective, then they can unstick that stuff and they can move forward on a different path. There's so much truth coming and it's so good to hear truth, right? Big T truth. And then your, your thoughts in your heart. Well, and one thing too, to mention, like the way this work can go is that like the first step is that awareness. Well, first of all, you got to realize you're spinning the wrong way. You're headed on the wrong course. And that's a big step. Just recognizing this isn't working. This isn't bringing me the true fulfillment. This isn't me embodying my purpose that I was made for. So that there's that awareness. But then the beauty of the way God made us and our thoughts is that when we can slow down the process of like a stimuli, our thought, our emotions, our actions, that feels like bang, 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 no gaps in there often. It feels like reflexive almost. But it doesn't have to be. When you can slow that down and you can become aware of the path, be able to put gaps in there. So a circumstance is there and I can actually critically evaluate that and decide what I want to think. I can choose how to perceive, you know, I talked about perception is everything. So I can choose how I want to perceive this situation and I can choose my thought about it. So again, you have the exact same situation. You could have 10 people and each, each of them has a different perception and a different thought about what just happened. Not a different, there's not a different reality, but there's a different perception of that reality. And that has everything to do with how they do with it going forward, whether it's something that creates obstacles to them on God's path, or whether it's something that breaks down obstacles or creates goodwill and love for towards other humans or creates feelings of anger or hatred towards other humans. That's good. So we get to choose. That's the beauty. I mean, God made us, he, we're so blessed as humans. Yes. Something he gave no other creature on the earth to have this gift to think and choose. Yes. And and when you were talking about the, I get to choose or decide, decide I get to decide what I want to think. Something came, that came up that I want to hear your thoughts on is powerless, always feeling powerless, hopeless. That must've been the programming. I, whatever to, I get to choose and I get to think, man, there's a shock that takes place. There's a, there's a transformation, which is great, but I didn't see all the yay up front. So I was like, um, scary. I guess some of your thoughts on how someone navigates or what you see them navigate from powerless to powerful when you don't understand what powerful looks like 
a practice uh -huh. going a little deeper than what your thoughts on are that. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll just give you another little story because it, because it doesn't actually even end with you recognizing you have the ability to choose. The end goal is recognizing that God has you. Oh yeah, good. You make a few actions, you make a few choices and you allow God to take you. That it's not you creating your destiny. And this is where so much personal development goes wrong. It is not you creating your destiny. It's you allowing God to work through you for the purpose you were designed for. And so um, another person I've learned a lot from, from he gives this example of uh, um, the the stages of, he calls it stages of consciousness, but I've sort of baptized it a little bit like, a, you know, so right. like we're, we're, we're often stuck in this victim place, this helpless, hopeless, powerless place. And the way I imagine it is you're at point A and you want to go to point B and you're sitting beside a river and you know that the river leads you there, but you're just sitting there. You're just sitting there complaining that you're not at point B because of this person, that person, the rain, the boat, the whatever, that I, I'm not there, darn it. And it's all everybody else's fault. And why does this always happen to me? And poor me. And eventually we get fed up, hopefully. Eventually we draw a line. We're like, you know what? Enough of this. I'm taking matters into my own hands. I'm going to get there no matter what. I'm going to get there. And so then we get in this river and it's all okay. But then, well, the river might bend a little bit this way and where we want to go is that way. So we're like, oh, nope, 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 not doing that. Like I, so we get out of the boat, we drag the boat across the land or we take our little oar and we're trying to dig a new channel. And that's the like, so the first one is life happens to me. Mm. That's the victim one. When we get in the water and we're doing, this is life happens by me. I will force this outcome. It will go the way I want it to go or I will make it. Like, so that's our next step often. And it's better than doing nothing. And it will work for a little while. Sometimes we have to like trudge upstream, drag in our boat because we know it's going the wrong way, right? And so it'll work for a while, but you get tired. You get tired of that. And I think of it like a, it's like a compass. If your compass is off, it's true north. The arrow is like pointing over there and you know that. And so you're like, I'm going to just hold it here forever pointing north. I got it. I can make it point north. But then like your kid asks you for something or somebody throws you a ball. Like the minute you take your attention off of all your effort forcing this thing, it goes back. And that's what happens with a lot of our attempts at habit change, right? Like I will do it. I will gut it out. I will grit. I will, you know, and, and we do do it for a little while. And then we can't sustain the effort to hold it pointing the right way. And so then we go back and then that just adds to our heap of, I can't, I won't, I'm not good enough. I tried that. I did that. Um, anyway, so that's the middle phase. That's that by me, life happens by me. But the next step of truly getting it is when life happens through me. So that, when we stick to our river analogy, that's where like you get in the boat and you trust the current. The current is taking you. You know the river goes to this place. Is it an immediate straight line? Never. It never is. But why not? Because there's something beautiful over here that you will miss if you took a straight, you know, as the crow flies path from point A to B. There's something for you. And do we do nothing? Can we just fall asleep in the boat and think we're going to get there? No. We have to do some steering. 
sometimes it's hard. We have to avoid a tree here or there that's fallen in the river or whatever. Maybe there's a sandbar. We got to get out and pull across it or something like that. But but do we trust that this river, this current can take us? Let it help you move with the flow of the Holy Spirit of God wanting wanting good for you. And then everything is less effortful. That's when, when you know you're in that place, is where like things just start to kind of fall into place a little bit, you know? Where like some someone's there that you would have never met and somehow your paths cross. And now, oh, wow. And that opens this door that you didn't know was there. Where if you were just like barreling ahead with your blinders on, you would have missed it all if you thought it was all up to you. But when you just trust and go with the flow, again, we need to be in action. Like like we said, hey, God can't steer a parked car. So we need to be in action. But uh, when we, that's sort of that surrender. Like I do have a goal. I do have something that I want, but I'm also kind of detached from that. Like if this means that I end up somewhere else, then I'm going to trust that that's where I'm meant to be. So I don't know how I got off on all that big tangent, but it's like life happening to you, the victim versus um, by you when you're doing all the work and it's just versus through you. And so when people are stuck and they're feeling despair, when they're feeling in that victim mode, like I just don't even know. Well, that's when you just take a step, just take a step and trust. You don't know how many steps it's going to be. You don't even know how many steps it's going to be before it gets easier. It, I mean, I'm just a really visual analogy person. So I was thinking of it like a tunnel, mm-hmm. like you're driving through the mountains and here comes a tunnel. You know that where you're going is on the other side of the tunnel. You don't know how long it's going to be in the tunnel. It's dark. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, for certain, if you pull your car off inside the tunnel because you're uncomfortable, you're never going to get out of the tunnel. You have to keep moving. You have to keep moving and you have to trust that there is an end of the tunnel, that the mountain is not going to collapse on you <laughs> and all of those things. And so um, it, with movement and trusting and seeking the Lord in your life, you we'll have something on the other side of the tunnel that's for you. I'm not getting emotional, but it's so special um, to just have people listen to and my spirit's getting fed of like just taking a step and how you did answer that beautifully with the powerless to from powerless to powerful because A, I didn't even know I was powerless. In fact, I was like, dude, this is just life. Things just happen to me. And this is just how it is because what I saw for generations or whatever reason. And this is where those labels come in too. Sometimes people have been told labels and they just assume that this label means, well, this is just my fate. This is what my life is because I have this label. And then also I grew up here because my parents divorced, because my dad was an alcoholic, because I was abused. And again, I don't want to dismiss any of those things. Those are all severe issues. They're not the end of the story unless you let that label and that identity consume you and take away the beautiful gift God gave you of your intellect and your will. Oh, I can be powerful. Quick light bulb. First coach 2017. You can be powerful. In fact, she was like, you're a powerful person. I mean, the power of coaching, the power of someone seeing blind spots, 
the power of being able to have a space that you can be vulnerable in because that's not the norm. I would love to create that norm in my world. I'm doing my best, but it's not mm-hmm. the norm. It's just yeah. not. And to have that safe space to be like, let me unpack my stuff, help me go through it. But I, what I love, one thing I love about your, your coaching, your mentoring, the thing you just did on this whole podcast, and I appreciate that so much, is there's such an empowerment to it too, like a, a security in it or empowerment to it. I, with the stuff you're saying, obviously spiritually imparting mm-hmm. to us that I'm just like, this is the bomb here. Like this is, but I think it's just, it's, it's hope. It is hope. It's hope. And it's, um, faith, mm-hmm. like b- belief that there's, I mean, always, there's always, always, always something different that you can choose something you can do. Even like, it reminds me of Victor Frankl talking about a uh, man's search for meaning. Like here he was in like the depths of like the most depravity of humanity, like the most horrible things, but he chose to use his mind to survive. His mind helped him survive. He had choices, even when someone would say, yeah, no. Well, yeah, he did. He had choices on what his perception of what was happening to him and how to make it something that he could withstand, that he could get through. I mean, if that's not like, so we have to land this plane because I could talk to you for like five minutes. But I also want to land it honorably because of how much we unpacked and how much we poured out. And so I want to land it honorably. And that's a beautiful like way to land it uh, is there's always hope. But is there anything else before I before you tell my listeners how to get a hold of you and what you're what you're pursuing and your passions on with coaching is because someone's going to need this and someone's going to get a hold of you and what you're building in your life. Is there anything else on your heart to share before you share your contact info? I mean, I think the main thing that it comes down to, if you're feeling stuck and you don't know what to do, like, like a step that every single person can take, regardless of what their circumstances are, is really sitting with God and asking him to show you yourself, praying for God to show yourself to you through his eyes. Show me through your eyes what you see. Show me me. And if you're struggling with other people, take an extra five and say, show me them. I want to see them through your eyes because my eyes are seeing things that are really hard for me. And I know that you created this person in your image and likeness too. And if you can do nothing else but spend five minutes a day, like just basking and letting God show you to you, then that goes so far in untangling Mm -hmm. all of the wounds, the webs, the thoughts, the subconscious beliefs about yourself. I mean, if you can let that soak in, then everything else starts to loosen up, you know? So good. I mean, if that didn't land the second time, I'm just like, this is someone (laughs) take that question and write it down or take that action and that call to action and do it. It'll change your life. It will change your life. Lord, And that's 100% free. (laughs) Free pen and paper or in your mind, show me how you see me, show me how to see myself. So, oh man. And how can they get a hold of you? How can people like, what would you like to share about that? Well, I would say for now, probably the best place, if you want to kind of hang out and get in my world a little bit is I have a free Facebook group that is called restless to restored. And there, you know, I just share a lot of times, you know, it kind of comes and goes the way my activity is in there. But every day there's encouraging, uplifting, like a mindset and spiritual stuff that's just 
it's hard to find in the world a place where you just can go and feel a, a community of being encouraged and uplifted. And then beyond that, I also do, I do one-on-one coaching. I do some group coaching as well that um, you can always take advantage of as well. And so you can reach me through Facebook through that way. I also have a website right now. It might be a little behind, but you can still reach me that way. So that's probably another way to reach me if you're not on Facebook. And it is just DrEveRosno.com. So D-R-E-V-E-R-O-S-N-O.com. And you can see some of the other things. And I have some exciting things I'm working on, which is like creating like a workshop series where there will be once a month, like workshops where you will learn, but you will also actually dive into some work yourself so that you're getting something done on the call. Um, So that's something that I hope to be rolling out in the next few months. And it will talk about things like temperament, which is kind of like a personality, the way you're made and why you do things differently than other people. It will talk about some of the basic skills that we don't know, like how to have difficult conversations, you know, things like that, where it will both be educational, but also um, just a way for you to really become more aware and like start to put some things into practice. So that's kind of something I've got coming up. Super exciting. But you will hear all about that. Um, I'll be talking about that in my Facebook group when it's ready. So that would be a good place. Or you can reach out to me. And if you if you send me an email through my um, through my web page, uh, I'll get you added to my email list so that whatever I'm working on or whatever's coming out, you'll be informed about through email too. I just want to say I honor just the gifts inside of you, your message, your ministry, and so grateful that in the minutes when I first listened to you, I was like, okay, you've got my attention, Lord. Okay. So I appreciate um, you and just what you do. And I know that this episode is going to change lives. And I just thank you for coming on so much. You're welcome. I'm grateful that we our paths crossed as well. And I have a feeling we probably have more in store. Something. <laughs>